MSW Media. Hi, this is Zane Lamprey from Three Sheets, Drinking Made Easy, and other shows that have been canceled from television. Join Dan Dunn on What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn every week here on Audio Things. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Yeah, this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. I'm shooting lasers. Shooting lasers. Because I can. Welcome to the show. This is what we call here a a quick shot. Uh, What we're drinking, quick shot. It's a special episode, a little little bonus episode for you, if you will. Uh, And uh, coming up in just a a couple of minutes, I'm going to be running an interview I did with Stephen Teeling of the Teeling Irish Whiskey family, which is what I'm drinking right now. I'm drinking a Teeling single malt. It is an Irish whiskey. They call it the Spirit of Dublin. It is a delicious 46% alcohol. That means 92 proof whiskey. And uh, I'm feeling it today, man. I am feeling it and in a good way. I'm loving it. Um, just a couple uh, housekeeping things I want to take care of here. Let you know uh, next week on Tuesday, March 10th, our, our next main episode, we've got Miles Teller, actor Miles Teller. Fellow Philadelphian is going to be on the show. Miles has been in a bunch of movies, uh, most notably Whiplash. We, alongside J.K. Simmons, a Damien Chazelle movie, and he will be seen soon alongside Tom Cruise in Top Gun Maverick, and that is going to be a huge movie. Uh, on that same day, March. 10th, Tuesday, March 10th, I will be on the Adam Carolla show. Again, I, I go on there pretty regularly. I'll be on Adam's show talking about Irish whiskey, and I invite you to listen to that after, after you've listened to my show. Also next week, I'm traveling up to San Francisco, California for the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. I will be judging a cocktail competition alongside actor Walton Goggins uh, and drummer from Metallica, Lars Ulrich, will be on my podcast as well, probably uh, coming up in the next week or two. You'll be hearing Lars on this show and hopefully Walton as well. Uh, all of this, you can find photos uh, photos from these adventures on Instagram. I'm at the imbiber. That's T-H-E-I-M-B-I-B-E-R. What else in terms of housekeeping? What is? Oh yeah, the Whiskey X. Okay, uh, the Whiskey X sent me over to Ireland, which is why you'll be uh, hearing this interview shortly. The Whiskey X is a uh, festival that goes all over the country. I'm the MC for the festival. The first one is going to uh, this year is going to be held on March 20th at the Dougal Greenhouse, which is a one of a kind indoor outdoor event space in Brooklyn, New York. March 20th, Dougal Greenhouse. I'll be there. Uh, also featuring Justin Willman, who is the star of Netflix hit series Magic for Humans. He will be making whiskey disappear, apparently, uh, as will about 1,500 other people. If you're interested, tickets are at thewhiskeyx.com. There's no E in that whiskey, so it's T-H-E-W-H-I-S-K-Y-X.com. Please, if you're in New York, come see me. Uh, come see Justin. Come drink whiskey. 
and there will be some Irish whiskey there as well. Um, so, okay, so it sounds chipper enough. The expression, the luck of the Irish should only ever be spoken with tongue planted firmly in cheek. Luck is to the Irish what winning is to the Cleveland Browns. Between famine, oppression, and civil war, the Irish put the less in blessed and the dip in serendipity. For every great thing that's ever happened to the Irish, the universe has taken them to the woodshed a thousand times. Take whiskey. The Irish practically invented the stuff, for crying out loud. The word whiskey comes from a Gaelic phrase, uskebeth, the water of life. But if you look at the 20 best-selling whiskey brands in the U.S., how many are from Ireland? One. Meanwhile, Canada boasts five entries on the list. How did that happen? Somehow, the Ned Flanders of countries is beating the Barney Gumble of countries in the booze game. That sounds like luck, all right, but not the good kind. Not the good kind. Not the good kind at all. I know, so sad. There's reasons, of course. Uh, up through the 1800s, Ireland had tons of distilleries, and they controlled about 60% of the world whiskey market. Then came the 1900s, and that was a century that was not good to the Irish. Uh, between U.S. prohibition and a trade war with England, Irish whiskey was very nearly wiped off the face of the planet altogether. Uh, by the 1970s, there were literally but a handful of distilleries left in Ireland, and their output accounted for less than 1%, 60% to 1% of the world's whiskey supply. Not good. But if you know one thing about the Irish, it's that when they get knocked down, they come back up punching. Just ask Conor McGregor. Motherfucker can hit. Over the past few decades, slowly, the tide has begun to turn green again. Uh, existing distilleries have expanded, new ones have opened, and the world has begun to fall back in love with Irish whiskey. I know I have, and let me have some of this teeling right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and with good reason, right? I mean, it's made with a blend of malted and unmalted barley uh, with uh, usually three go-rounds in single-pot stills. Uh, Irish whiskeys tend toward a lighter, smoother, sweeter flavor profile than what you generally get in scotches or bourbons. Uh, it's what we in the potable punditry biz call approachable. And with global demand for whiskey at an all-time high, there's never been a better time to be approachable. Over the past decade, Irish whiskey exports have gone up by 300%. That's 300%. 300%. All right, all right, all right. Matthew McConaughey loves it. He does. Um, of course, that's nowhere near enough to bring Ireland back up to, you know, say, Scotland or the U.S.'s output. But thankfully, Ireland doesn't give a feck. That's Gaelic for darn. Uh, success breeds success, and a host of smaller producers are popping up all over the Emerald Isle, and they're making it an ideal hunting ground for whiskey lovers and collectors alike. The road may not rise up to meet the Irish, but they stay on it all the same. How else are you going to get to the pub? And what Ireland lacks in quantity, it's more than making up for in quality, like this tealing. More and more distilleries are experimenting with unusual production and aging methods. I got to see a lot of that when I was over in Ireland uh, recently, and, and it was fantastic. Um, and, and seriously, I, you really need to go on your own Irish whiskey adventure. If you can get over there, my God, it's great. You discover what's out there, and it's a, such a beautiful country. And, uh, you know, I'd wish you luck on that, but as an Irish-American myself, I know better. 
I will take Irish whiskey over Irish luck any day of the week. Which brings me to the Teeling. The Teeling. Uh, the Teeling family's history of making whiskey dates back to 1782, when Walter Teeling opened a distillery on Marrowbone Lane in Dublin. In 2012, his ancestors, brothers Jack and Stephen, started their own whiskey business. Three years later, theirs was the first new distillery to open in Dublin in over 125 years. I was just there. It's a fantastic distillery. I sat down with Stephen Teeling, and we had a chat, and this is what it sounded like. Well, I'm doing something right now that hasn't been done in the heart of Dublin for quite some time. And that's uh, enjoying whiskey in the middle, in the heart of Dublin, uh, the city, city center of Dublin. Uh, for a long time, there were no uh, distilleries operating here. Way, way back in the day, there were a lot of distilleries operating here, and then there weren't any distilleries operating here until a few years ago when the man sitting in front of me and his brother opened the Teeling Distillery, the spirit of Dublin, right here in the heart of Dublin. And that man is Stephen Teeling. How are you, brother? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Good to good to have you on the show, and thanks for having me here at the distillery. It's a beautiful spot. Oh, thank you. Yeah, delighted to to get you in. Um, yeah, I think my, my, myself and my brother uh, kind of pinch ourselves. It's five years since we opened. So Teeling, the family, started distilling back in 1782, correct? Yeah, yeah. so uh, we're... I suppose a uh, lot of uh, multi-generational of Teeling's been involved in Irish whiskey. Uh, families dates back to 1782. Actually, very, very close to where we're sitting, um, about 500 meters up the road, uh, there was a smaller distillery, um, which was run by um, a previous uh, family. Walter Teeling was the one who started it. Um, I think probably 1782 is when they first registered the license to distill. They were probably distilling there a long time ago. and. Um, I suppose and wasn't he involved with one of the Jameson brothers too, or something? Well, I think the the uh, I suppose the boom in Irish whiskey actually led to a lot of consolidation. So a lot of the bigger distilleries took over a lot of the smaller distilleries. So it was uh, John Jameson's son, William Jameson, who actually took over our former family distillery a long, long time ago. And uh, probably the most recent uh, teeling involved would have been my father, John, who um, built the first new distillery in Ireland about a hundred years back in the eighties. So. Myself and my brother uh, had a unique upbringing um, in a family distillery uh, when I suppose Irish whiskey was very much on its knees. Um, I think we we grew up in a situation where kind of my dad uh, was fighting one of the biggest drinks companies here in Ireland, but also making the case for Irish whiskey on a global scale when Irish whiskey was... When it was a dead cat. And this is... It really was, yeah. Anybody listens to this show regularly, we've covered this a lot, but we've talked about... Uh, what happened, you know, I, I think prior to 1920, I think about 60% of all the whiskey being drunk in the world was was Irish whiskey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then it was a very swift and devastating series of events that took down Irish whiskey. And again, we've talked about it. Uh, prohibition was a major one in the U.S. also. But what had happened was at least the Irish had, had already, they had always had the British. But then the War of Independence Stop that, and that ended in what 1918, mm -hmm. and was. then prohibition came right after that. So it was it was just two devastating blows to the industry. But one of the things I want to talk about is what about the introduction of like like sanitation? So and and um, uh, beverages like soda and then water being clean. 
people weren't drinking whiskey as much after that started to happen. We, we talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think uh, there was a, a massive change in trends. Um, and I think probably um, you've touched on two of the points. I think the, the problem for Irish whiskey is they all came very close together. Um, and I think uh, two to three things that, that happened uh, forced a massive implosion in, in Irish whiskey. And I think probably the independence of our state was phenomenal for us as a country, but had a huge detrimental knock-on effect to a lot of our exports. So I think we were in a period of like 30 to 40 years went from a lot of variants in terms of whiskey being made and lots of big distilleries to a consolidation to just one distillery making all the whiskey. And that very much was the landscape of, of Irish whiskey right until recent history. So the 1980s was where that changed. And I think, uh, you know, myself and my brother bringing the family distillery back here into Dublin. We were the first new distillery in Dublin nearly 50 years. And to be making whiskey back where a lot of the whiskey used to be made um, for us was was huge um, and I think it's really interesting to see kind of the rise again with uh, lots, of, lots of distilleries and I suppose lots of very interesting things and lots of good people involved now with lots of good energy coming into Irish whiskey and I remember some of the first ever whiskey shows I was sent out like we used to be put in the back of the room and it was ourselves and I remember my first ever whiskey tasting was um, Whiskey Live in Glasgow I don't know why they sent me to Glasgow for my first ever Whiskey Live, but it was a tough crowd. Get the shit kicked out yeah, of you Yeah, well, this huh? is it. And uh, it was ourselves, and I remember it was Pendaren, the Welsh okay. whiskey, and yeah. I think it was a, um, an Indian whiskey. And we were like in the side room, and they found us by accident. And, and you, must, you just must feel so small and so it, it, inadequate it, over there, it was, because it, I'm assuming there were a lot of the big boys were there too, yeah, right? Yeah, it was, it was a time where I think Scotch reigned supreme, and um, I remember the first ever masterclass I did. They all showed up in kilts and Scottish rugby jerseys just <laughs> to give me, give me shit, basically. But that was, uh, that was a long time ago, and I think the, uh, the interesting thing is you fast forward now to a lot of the whiskey shows, be it Whiskey X or be it Whiskey Live or any of these places, um, huge amount of very interesting people now making different styles of whiskey in general, not just Irish whiskey, but world whiskey. And I think consumers now are much more open to discover different styles. The engagement styles. is oh, great. I mean, yeah. Stephen just mentioned the Whiskey X. I'm, I'm the host of that, and that's a, a series of events around the country. We got our first one coming up on March 20th in Brooklyn, New York. And then right after that, we're doing Santa Monica, California. Come see me. Come drink some tealing. <laughs> It is really, really heartening to see just how receptive people are to new tastes, mm. new styles. And, and Irish whiskey is not a new category, but it is, it's a reborn category. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's a, there's a real fascination there, mm. uh, with, especially when you go to places like Brooklyn where yeah. you got, you know, the Irish runs deep there anyway. And uh, it's great to see. And, and another thing that's beautiful to see is being here in Dublin, I can't, I can't uh, overstate just how beautiful this facility is. Mm. And it's a Wednesday right now. It's bustling. There's a ton of people in here. And that's what you want to see. Yeah. I mean, this is, the kind of, this is what you need. I, I remember when we were um, planning the distillery and it was people were saying, geez, you must be crazy building a distillery in the city center. And what we were trying to explain to them was the city was where all the big Irish whiskey distilleries used to be. So it wasn't that we were doing something that was unusual we were actually bringing it bringing it right back into the heart of where irish whiskey used to be made and we were pointing to trends that were happening in places like the u.s with craft distilling going back into the city or craft breweries and what we said it was 
crazy that nobody had brought it back into the city. And, you know, we've got one of the biggest breweries two minutes up the road with Guinness being made here. This was the heart of where whiskey started for, for Irish whiskey. And, you know, the Liberties was the powerhouse for where Irish whiskey used to be. And I think for us, we wanted to give people a unique experience. And what what we wanted was something real. So first thing we built was the distillery. So the heart and soul of everything that we do is in whiskey production. And we layered on top of that, that people can come in and see whiskey being made, which is quite different to what, you know, a lot of other visitors. And that's where the relationship comes from. I yeah. think, you know, you, you mentioned Guinness. People make pilgrimages to come to Guinness. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and just, and that's, that was sorely missing here in Dublin in terms of in terms of whiskey. Yeah. And I think you're going to start seeing more and more of that or people and that's how they build relationship with the brand. There's there's a connection beyond just what's in the bottle, what's in the glass. It's oh, I've been there. Yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. I've met the people. You know, everybody's really friendly here, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I think people particularly people who drink whiskey or, or or brown spirits, they want to come and actually really understand who's making it how they made it, as you said, have that personal experience right in the heart of the city to go back and actually say, you know what, I met Alex Chasco, he's the master distiller, I met Steve and I met Jack. It's a very unusual industry that relationships count for a lot and I think with whiskey in particular, uh, because so much effort goes into make the products, they really like to meet the people and we, we see all the process, so we show people the mash, the fermentation, you can see the pot stills, and what we've tried to do is layer on top of that an experience that you don't have to be a huge whiskey aficionado to come in. If you are, we have different layers you can go through, but what we want is for people to be engaged and to learn a bit. So, you know, if let's say they are really interested in the production side, the, the guys can talk them through what we do in terms of uh, the distillation. If they're really, really interested in the maturation, we can talk about the different unique casts that we use. Or if they're here for a bit of fun, they can hang out at the bar, they can have a nice craft cocktail. Well, speaking of yeah. fun, Stephen, I've broken a cardinal rule on what we're drinking podcast. We've been, we've been talking now for over 10 minutes, yeah. and I haven't had a damn sip of whiskey See, yet. I, I'm sweating. And it's right in front I, of I'm me. I'm sweating it's, looking at you looking at whiskey. Big, it's, it's looking it's at me, going, me. drink me. Yeah. So and i got to try some. What, do I, what is this one here in the so, glass here? Yeah, so the, the four whiskeys you have in front of you, the one to your left is actually um, our Dublin-born um, single pot still. So, Which is an unusual thing. Talk yeah. about it. You don't see a lot of single pot still whiskey no. in Ireland. So so, yeah. so, so pot still is um, synonymous with Ireland. It's... Um, a unique style that can only be made here in Ireland. So it dates back to when there was a tax on malted barley and the crafty or uh, let's say more economic distillers started to use unmalted barley in the mash. And this then uh, became a standard for Irish whiskey. So some of the other um, international brands that people might know be like the likes of Redbreast and different things like that. And I think when we were starting the distillery, Dublin pot still was the gold standard for um, Dublin distillers back in the day and we said look when we were building the distillery we we're going to create I suppose an ode to the past but something in keeping with what we're about so I suppose uh, a traditional mash but then a very innovative product so we use 50% malted 50% unmalted in the mash so that just means that um, there's a lot more um, cereal that comes through and then what we've done throughout the process is um, 
looked at flavors that we wanted to keep and looked at flavors that we wanted to accentuate. So we have triple distilled it. Um, so it's actually quite clean. Uh, you would have seen when you went through in um, the distillery, we actually use our own proprietary yeast as well. So it's a blend of distillers and wine yeast. So adds a little air element of fruit to the distillate. And then what we've done is we've layered on some different styles of casks. So the backbone would be X um, single-use bourbon barrels, about 50% in the maturation, and then um, layered in 25% on virgin oak and then 25% on um, sherry. And what we found is that really doesn't mask the underlying distillate, which is not what you want. You know, you want those bold um, flavors to, to carry through. And um, yeah, we did it, uh, I suppose, uh, when the whiskey came of age and um, we did a, a special launch, first new whiskey back to Dublin in, um, you know, over 50 years. And we did a charity auction for the first barrel and raffled off a lot of the the, the, the whiskey and now we're at a stage now we're coming into our fifth um, year so this would be our fourth or fifth bottling of it and really exciting it's it's not something that had ever been done before and, well, what and it, it speaks volumes too about your commitment to quality because correct me if I'm wrong here but unmalted barley does not yield as much nearly no. as much alcohol because when you malt barley that the whole purpose of that is to, to really to, to create more alcohol yeah, okay yeah yeah and it, what it just means is it's a much more complex process as well. So in the in the mash um, or the louder tone that we would have, it's very thick. Um, it's really, really um, difficult to drain. Um, and also the tradition would have been 50-50, 50% malted, 50% unmalted. The reality is as people um, were expanding their production, they probably reduced down that unmalted um, aspect. So we said, look, we go right back to what the traditional mash was, but then layer on our own tealing effect, those yeah. innovative casks, um, some of those unique production processes that we would have. And what we're finding, it's, it's actually quite interesting. Um, places like the US or um, places that are um, probably used to drinking, um, let's say bourbon or American whiskeys, they're appreciating this style because um, there's a lot more spice to it. Um, I think some of the uh, ex-bourbon cask and some of the um, uh, virgin oak tends to add in that layer of um, spice and then the sherry rounds it off. And By the way, I'm drinking while he's talking. He, he right? is, yeah. It's Stephen's it, talking about, yes, yes, yeah. I'm nodding. <laughs> yes, I'm getting all that. I am drinking it and I got to tell you, it's fantastic. What What is this retail for in the States? Do you have it idea? has just landed on shelf. It only did uh, 6,000 bottles into the U.S. And I think it is $70. 70 bucks. Yeah. I don't think you can beat it for, the, yeah. for that amount of money. And, this is great. And uh, we do everything at 92 proof for 46%, so we don't have to chill filter. So all of the flavor, all of the esters are still in it if you gave it a little swirl. And yeah. see, this is, this is a family rule. We, we drink... To, uh, we we make you drink to make us more interesting. That was <laughs> passed down from generation to generation. So that's uh, the only reason I the podcast makes it is I'm drinking the, on it. They're yeah, like, oh, he's yeah. pretty good when he gets a couple in him. Yeah, and but this is a this is an aside. As I'm drinking this, I'm thinking how delicious it is, and and you talk about how you come up with the flavor profile that mm -hmm. you're looking for. Okay, humor me here. Yes, I'm driving over here. I wasn't driving. I didn't drive. I was in a taxi. Mm -hmm. We don't drink and drive. I'm in a taxi on the way over here. Uh, and I notice a, a bunch of people like smoking, right, as I'm going over. And it got me thinking, back in the day when they were making whiskey, mm. everybody smoked, right? The master distiller smoked, the blender smoked, everybody smoked. I wonder what that's done over the years now that most people don't smoke. Has that changed the way whiskey's made? And take, because 
if you're smoking all the time the way people did back then, it does it does flavor your palate, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah you it, ever it, think about that? I, it, it hasn't crossed my mind because I probably grew up in a generation that smoking wasn't uh, wasn't a big thing. So uh, yeah, I suppose it's because <laughs> think an about that a guy yeah, that was in, a guy that was making whiskey a hundred years ago. Yeah was probably smoking three, four packs a day. You mm. know, they always had a cigarette. Oh, in their of mouth. course, yeah. And so that taste is always in their mouth. So mm. when they're when they're coming up with the blend and they're doing whatever, there's the tobacco element to it. That was probably that's not there them now. To, I'm yeah. assuming your mask. I don't, I don't know, but it, maybe he doesn't smoke. No, he doesn't. And yeah. he doesn't smoke. So I he wonder, definitely drinks. Yeah, <laughs> definitely drinks. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, it was just a little aside. I yeah. thought I wonder if you know what what that's done. If if if. Maybe there's a smokiness that you're looking for. Mm. Back in the day, they just thought it was in there. But yeah. It was really just in their mouth. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's obviously peated malts have been uh, have been around now for for quite some time. But in terms of the uh, the clarity of palate, that's a you know, I suppose something that would be quite interesting if uh, if let's say there was a master distiller previous versus a master distiller who is current, you know, whether their blends or whether their actual um, nosings or their tastings led to different whiskeys. I, I don't know. Yeah. You know? All right. Well, it yeah, just popped into just, my head. Yeah. The other thing I, I want to ask you is uh, this is such a beautiful facility. You get a lot of people coming through here. Um, any any of the, uh, the Irish royalty coming in celebrities any of that uh, yeah we've had we've had we've had quite a few so Shane McGowan been drinking in here <laughs> no not quite I think uh, I think maybe uh, I think Shane's he's, not drinking anymore I right? think he's I think he's, he's pulling he's, it back I think but yeah, uh, yeah no we've we've been um, lucky enough I think because there was so much interest in distilling coming home to to Dublin City um, we've had um, a huge amount of support support domestically we've had nearly half a million people through the doors since we opened which is great had a lot of the um, uh, singers in we've had uh, she had for one of the New Year's Eve as random as you get the Prince of Monaco came with his family there you oh, go wonderful. yeah for and uh, little little did I know uh, what a big whiskey drinker he was his Grace Kelly was his uh, was his mother was so his I think he, <laughs> yeah. great you know where Grace Kelly's from yeah Philadelphia, yeah, my hometown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and uh, he, as I said, he, Irish in he, Philadelphia. He, uh, he fully enjoyed himself. I think his uh, his in laws probably weren't uh, weren't into whiskey as much, but he he definitely enjoyed his his trip here. So yeah, no, it's been really interesting. I think what people are fascinated of um, they're coming to see something being made, and I think uh, we've we've got some really funny um, trip advisors saying, oh, um, you know the the actors they hired. Uh, you know, play a really good part in, you know, making the whiskey. No, no, they're the real people, you they're know. I think people ones, can't yeah. believe that they're that grumpy. No. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, like, I think, you know, people are making whiskey and things go wrong and their alarms go off. And I think, you know, people actually aren't used to getting behind the scenes. And I remember when we were um, researching, you know, what do we like about distilleries? I think getting in and seeing the whiskey being made was a big part of it. And it made things uh, much more difficult, um, the planning and everything like that. But for us, that was the key. Show people whiskey being made again in the city and um, give them a really unique experience. Because I think for whiskey in particular, there's a lot of mystery behind it. I think people are afraid of whiskey because they don't fully understand. And we're trying to break it down that it's, you know, the same process that's been made for, for generations that farmers always find a way to make alcohol and you know we're doing it obviously on an industrial scale but it's been the same process for years and i think the unique thing with whiskey is all of the elements that you let's say you use a different grain or let's say you ferment in a different way or let's say you run your stills in a different way or different casks 
there's a lot to it and it's actually really really interesting that the things that you do at the start can change the outcome and i think for people in particular knowledge is power so if they can understand or they can taste i think they'll be much more receptive for whiskey so i think if you remove some of that mystery and also make it accessible so the big thing for irish whiskey and what i've seen internationally is it's quite social so i think irish whiskey versus maybe some of the um bigger bigger flavored let's say scotches and different things like that it's a lot more accessible to people who wouldn't necessarily be hugely knowledgeable whiskey and it's drank in more social occasions in groups of friends at the bar in your house here at the distillery at with the distillery. me yeah exactly about to get into it. on a on a on a on a wednesday morning on a wednesday yeah. morning what's well, the afternoon come on yeah Steve. sorry yeah. Yeah, yeah uh it's you're afternoon. you're you're you're, you're, uh, you're dealing with your jet lag. i'm not a yeah. savage here come no, on. no so i want to ask you one final question yes. what's what's your uh which favorite cocktail to make with the whiskey uh for us um i've always been a massive fan of simplicity maybe i'm a very simple person but the um small batch in an old-fashioned is, is is damn tasty for me um it's high abv so it stands up and the rum cask tends to our teeling small batch here which would be kind of the flagship sorry the one on the end there um is kind of the go-to and i think there's there's nothing quite like a like an old nice old-fashioned we do a really really nice uh, irish coffee as well we, we've elevated the, the the irish coffee that we have here but I don't know. I'm 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 a big fan of that flavor profile. I think yeah. you're either into your old fashions or you're not. Um, well, it's a it's a it's a beautiful whiskey, beautiful packaging too, by the mm. way. And again, I invite any of you listening out there to go get yourself a bottle of Teeling. It's great. And if you happen to go check out the Whiskey X site, see if we got one coming to your city. We're going to be in Brooklyn. We're going to be in Santa Monica. We're going to be in Denver, Austin, Chicago, Nashville, all over. And Teeling will be. Poured there, I believe. Yeah, yes, abso- and you got to come yeah. check it out. And uh, you're going to try to get over for any of those. Yeah, I'd love to. The, it's the, a I lot of fun. Uh, in, in particular, one of the most enjoyable experiences that we have is going to these shows and actually letting people discover Irish whiskey in a new way. And I think the no better way than getting liquid on the lips and actually telling them the story. But like genuinely, we we love tasting whiskey with people. Well, and they love. I think people, you know, if they know your name's on the brand, mm-hmm. it's your brand. You're going to probably be exhausted by the end of the night <laughs> people talking to you, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it gives you energy You got 1,500 well. people coming through drinking your stuff. So, yeah. um, well, look, I want to thank uh, Stephen Teeling for, for having me here uh, in this lovely facility in the middle of Dublin and for making this gorgeous whiskey, which I'm going to get into in depth as soon as I turn off this recorder. Yeah, and uh, with that, I'm going to have some whiskey. Mm-hmm. Stephen Teeling, thank you, man. And, thank you for uh, having me. Let's do this. Yes. That, my friends, is the end of our Quick Shot, WW Quick Shot. I want to thank Stephen Teeling and Teeling's Whiskey. I want to thank the Whiskey X for sending me over to Ireland. I want to thank you for listening. Next episode, we've got Miles Teller, the Top Gun, the drummer from Whiplash, the kid from Philly, and this kid from Philly. And again, thank you so much for being you. You're the best. <laughs>